Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Girly Homesteader Podcast. So I just want to tell you that today is going to be a long episode. <laughs> today I am interviewing my friend Sabrina from Instagram. She is also known as the Unexpected Gardener. And so today we talk about her journey from being a city girl, and she still is really, um, but becoming a city girl, not wanting to get her hands dirty, becoming fully immersed into growing so much food in her backyard. She has a family of six and she produces so much food in such a, you know, relatively small space. So we talk about her journey and then we also talk about the concept of eating closer to home and eating local and trying to get away from, you know, big box stores, big food, etc. So the other thing that I want to talk about today, though, before we get started, is a super exciting announcement. So if you follow me on Instagram, you know this, um, but if you listen to the podcast, you know this too. I love planners, and I have been in love with my planner from Plum Paper for the past year or so, and I adore it, but there are some things that I wish that it included that had to do with a garden and homesteading. And so I have created those pages for myself, but I want to do this like for real. I want to make a planner, a journal specifically for homesteaders. And so that is what I am doing right now. I am partway through the design process and I'm at the point where I need some help. So what I am looking for right now are some investors. I'm looking for five investors to order this journal pre-sale. So you will get a big discount from the final price of it. And by buying it pre-sale, you will get it as soon as it is ready, but you will also become part of the design process. We will email back and forth and I will email you the drafts of the coming pages for this journal. The things that I have to work on still are pages specifically dedicated to seed starting, transplanting, um, egg production, tracking, and other things like that. So I need your help. I'm looking for five people and I already have two of them. So I am pretty pumped about this. Um, the final price of this journal, which I'm hoping to have ready by the end of summer, maybe fall. I'm really hoping for end of summer. But the final price will be $37. This will be a full-size 8.5 by 11 journal that is disc-bound. That way, you can organize it as you see fit. This also means that as the seasons change, you can just put in new pages, make space for those new months, and go on. Um, it will be probably like 100 and some pages. It will be tabbed. It will be full color and printed on high quality paper that doesn't bleed through. That way you can use your fun markers and you can color code even more than it already will be. It's going to be primarily organized by seasons. And I think it's just beautiful as of right now. So the, again, the final price of it will be $37. But if you decide to invest in my idea and help me out, you will get it for $25. And that is including shipping. So I am putting a link to that pre-sale in the show notes. And yeah, let's go ahead and get into my interview with Sabrina. Hello and welcome to season two of the Girly Homesteader podcast. I'm your host, Laura, a girly homesteader living in Xenia, Ohio with my husband, chickens, bees, and garden. 
This is my second year homesteading, and in 2023, I am hoping to hone some of the skills I learned in 2022, specifically in the garden and kitchen. This podcast is meant to be a bridge between nature-centered homesteading and the more girly aspects of being a woman, like non-toxic skincare, makeup, and hair care. So if you're looking for a lifestyle podcast that also talks about random aspects of homestead life, like dirty chicken feet, being attacked by bees, monthly garden goals, food preservation ideas, and sourdough that doesn't always rise, you're in the right place and you've found a girlfriend in homesteading. Well, hi, everybody. I am very excited to announce that I have my friend Sabrina Key that I'm interviewing today. She is also known as the Unexpected Gardener. And Sabrina, we've kind of been like friends on Instagram for a little bit. You are actually kind of like my inspiration for starting sourdough. I bought your dehydrated starter. And you have been giving me pointers along the way, even though I haven't been taking them. But (laughs) we still talk. Yes, you're still my friend. Yes. So Sabrina, um, for those of you who don't know who you are, can you tell us about you and your story? Yeah. So I am um, a a city girl from Boston and I'm a mom of four kids. Um, And I, in 2020, I sort of, um, as probably everybody realized that there was some limitations to our food supply. And um, I remember being in the store and I was going to buy a pack of chicken to feed. I have four kids. So, you know, and a husband, so it's a lot of people and, you know, there's a big sign and they wouldn't allow me to buy two. I could only buy one. And so I'm kind of a rebel and I don't obey those kind of rules. So I grabbed two and I went up to the you know checkout and she wouldn't let me buy the second one. And I was like, really? Okay. So it really kind of got me thinking, uh, you know, real whole food, organic food had been important to me for many, many years, but uh, I don't know. I didn't know how to do anything. And I thought I literally don't have no idea how to grow anything. I don't um, I would be in big trouble if I couldn't go to the grocery store and purchase food for my family. So that's when I decided that um, even though I was a city girl and I, you know, I don't like to uh, get hot. I don't like to go outside. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like dirt or bugs. Um, I don't want to sweat. I mean, like I'm literally like, you know, a an indoor princess. Cat. Yes. Princess city girl. And I said to my husband, um, I'm going to, I'm going to start a garden. I'm going to grow like a ton of food. And he was kind of like, huh. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. And so in 2020, I, um, like I was telling you earlier, I'm kind of like, once I make a decision to do something, I'm like, turn on the fire hose and drown me with all the information. And so I did a tremendous amount of just research and watching videos and doing the best I could to kind of get my head around, how was I going to do this? Um, and I will say I live in an HOA neighborhood, um, you know, with a really small property. I didn't really realize how small it was then. Now it's kind of part of what I talk about on Instagram because so many of us don't live on a huge property, but you can grow a lot of food on a really small property. Um, So I live on 0.18 acres, um, which is, yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, wow, that's so small. I'm trying Um, to think how 
That compares to our old house because we were in the city too. You know, you could see like in your neighbor's window. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have my my judgment, like my guide, my gauge of space has changed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's moving. Well, and and at the time, I didn't really realize how limited I was in space. You know, um, but it has really kind of forced me to you know vertical garden and. Um, you know, use tre- trellising in different ways, like arch trellises in my garden to, you know, to get things to grow up and over. And um, it has kind of morphed into just this passion to teach as many people as possible how to grow your own food, because you don't have to have a huge property. You don't have to have any experience at all. Um, I, no one. I mean, I don't even know if I knew that ketchup came from tomatoes when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like it, this is not, I am not, I, I know a lot of people who, you know, their grandma had a big garden and, you know, and they helped or their grandpa or, you know, or even their parents. Like I know people like that, but that is not where I come from. You know, we ate a ton of packaged food, pre-packaged food, processed food. You know, it wasn't really important when I was a kid that you needed to have a healthy food source. You needed to know where your food came from. So, um, so it's been a, a pretty, I've ramped my garden up year after year. And now I have a lot of people who, you know, follow me on Instagram. I'm, you know, I'm dipping my toes in YouTube. It's not my favorite, but um, just to kind of get the word out, because I think um, maybe more now than even in 2020, um, we really need to learn these skills. You may not need to grow a year's worth of food, um, but you might. And so if you can cultivate those skills now, um, you know, I do a lot of cooking from scratch, like pretty much everything. Um, I bake all my own bread, um, you know, obviously sourdough and I can my harvest, you know, to kind of preserve that for the year. Um, that's important skills. I think we need to learn now so that when you need them, if you need them, you, you feel confident like, oh, I can, I can do this. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so you really just started like three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, and I made a lot of mistakes, you know, I, yeah. And, but, and it was funny because my sister, um, she actually took me in when I was 14, my parents had died and she was, you know, older and had kids and everything was kind of a lot older than me. And she had taken me in at 14. And so she knew like I had an aversion to like being outside. It was not really my favorite thing to do. Um, like, so they'd be like, we're going to go on a family hike. Do you want to come? I'm like, no, I never wanted to do any of those things. And when she came over and saw my first garden, um, she laughed for like 10 minutes. She was like, I cannot even believe that you grew this. This is just incredible. Um, Because it doesn't have to be like sort of, it doesn't have to come natural, you know, because it didn't really come natural to me. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, You know, I didn't understand like soil amendments and, you know, which crops to grow, which time of year, like there's a lot to learn. Um, but I felt that I felt that urge to like, okay, I, it's like a push. Like I need to know how to take care of my people mm-hmm. if I need to. And it was a little scary in 2020. Like, what do you mean? I can't buy enough to feed my whole family, you know, right? one pack of chickens, not going to feed everybody, mm-hmm. you know? And so it just kind of forced me to just ramp it up. So I didn't start with like a tiny you know, I started with like two in-ground beds and two raised beds. That's a lot to start with though. Cause that's, that's was yes. my next question. So what was your first garden? 
Yeah, yeah, I did. We we have terrible soil here in North Carolina. It's like it's like really clay. Um, so that was like learning number one, like, oh, I can't plant in this, you know? So we, you know, sort of stumbled along to figure out how to grow in the, you know, native soil and, you know, try to figure out how to amend that. And so I started out with two in-ground beds and then I just found some guy on Facebook that made raised beds. I didn't even know, like, you know, maybe I cedar, I got cedar. Cause I was like, I guess that is what you do. And mm-hmm. so he made them and I don't ask me how I stuffed it in a minivan. I don't even know how I did mm-hmm. that, but we stuffed them in the minivan and, you know, brought them home and uh, made big mistakes in the beginning with soil and didn't know what I was, you know, so it was a lot of mistakes, but um, I honestly believe that that re- that's how you learn, you know? I mean, I know sometimes you can go on Instagram and it's like, everything's Instagram perfect, you know, and you see these beautiful rows of vegetables. And you, once you start into this kind of lifestyle, like homesteading lifestyle, um, it, it's easy to just be like, I'll never be able to do that. But you can, it just, it's okay to mess it all up and you just get better and better. And so that's kind of how I, you know, how I did, I just dove right in. And then I was growing all the time, you know, I'm growing in the fall, growing, trying to grow in the winter and then growing in the spring and obviously summer. So, okay. So how does, how cold does it get there in North Carolina during winter? You know, it can get, it gets below, um, you know, below freezing, not a ton. Sometimes we get a snow, but usually in, um, you know, like January and February, it can get pretty cold. I mean, you know, we had like a little bit of a polar vortex here. I mean, compared to New England. Oh my gosh. Yeah. At Christmas time. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It got pretty cold. They are pretty cold. So yeah, yeah, there's certain things I I'd have to like cover or I couldn't, couldn't grow, but I can grow so much more here than I could have in, you know, up in new England where I'm from. So that's really good. I have a really long gross growing season here. Yeah. So what is your zone? We're in seven, um, seven B. Oh, okay. So you're like a zone and a half warmer than yeah. me. It, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I like a a lot of the, one of the biggest things that I did not know in the beginning, and I don't know if you struggled with this too, when you were learning, but you can't grow certain crops together. Like some crops like cool weather and some like really warm, steamy weather. And um, so my first year I just went to like the, a nursery Home Depot or whatever. And, you know, there's broccoli and then there's like tomatoes. So I'm Uh like growing those things together. And I didn't realize that you can't really do that. And so here in North Carolina, you almost don't even have a spring, like a very small spring season. Like if you start really, really early, maybe, but it gets so hot so quick here that everything bolts. Um, So a lot of times, you know, because I've had like, you know, people that I've helped grow, people like bought my ebook or I did like a consult with and they got so frustrated because they were like, I can't grow anything. I don't know what happened. They just all went, you know, they just, they, they went to seed or there's flowers on them and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, that's not you. Like that's honestly, I don't know why they sell stuff, especially here, cool weather crops in, you know, May, cause you're done with that. You can't grow that here, but right. it's like those kinds of things get people really frustrated, but they're part of the learning process. And, you know, and I did that, I did that my first year and, you know, you, you, when you have limited space to you're using precious garden space, growing something that 
you can't really eat is really frustrating. Yeah. So what was your first, like, well, okay, so two things. What was your first failure of a crop? And then what was your first really successful one? Um, I tried to grow, like, snap peas because everyone, like, loves them. Like, the kids love them. It's, like, so delicious. And I couldn't grow them because I grew them in, you know, it was too hot. Okay. And so that was, like, a disaster. And I was so frustrated by that. Um, And honestly, my first year of tomatoes was, like, crazy good. And that was so encouraging because there is nothing like a homegrown tomato. I don't, I mean, once you grow your own or, you know, buy it at a farmer's market, somebody else grew, it tastes so much different than the ones you buy in the grocery store. Oh yeah. That first year. I mean, in my, in my second year, my tomato crop wasn't as good. So I don't, I mean, and I'm not really a hundred percent sure why I kind of know, but not a hundred percent, but that was so like motivating when we had so many tomatoes that we didn't even know what to do with. That was really, really cool. Yeah. See, we had, so like we started out gardening at our old house. So we just had like one little bed at the side of our house. It was South facing on a brick wall. And so we had the most fantastic tomatoes. And so we went in and that was of course before we moved. So we went into all of this thinking, Oh, tomatoes are easy. Yeah. <laughs> like just gardening is easy. And then, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it isn't. It, there's it's, definitely like some of it. I mean, plants want to grow. So, I mean, yeah. a seed wants to grow into a plant. So you have that going for you. But, you know, yes, there's like, you know, you have to have enough sunlight for for most crops. You know, you have to have six to eight hours of sunlight. So there's like, you know, there's definitely some things that are critical but, you know, I mean, you know, as well as I do, you probably have volunteer plants that pop up in the weirdest spots and then they just yeah. they're so healthy and you're like, what the heck? You know, so plants, you know, they're resilient and they want to grow. But I mean, I've killed so many, you know, where I'm like, what the heck happened to that? I don't even understand why that died, you know, or, you know, the insects. It's hard to be an organic gardener for sure, um, yeah. you know, and especially in like late July and August, you're just like going out for battle, you know, to try to grow enough that you know you're feeding basically you're feeding the insects some some of your food yeah Um, you have a lot of acreage too so you must deal with like wildlife too I don't deal with that oh yeah well so like so we do live on seven acres but the layout of our property six of them are wooded and so in reality it's really like we're living on an acre which I know sounds like a lot of space to some people but our the way that acre is laid out is it's really like long and skinny And the only place for our garden to be that would be in full sun would be like right in front of our house, which we, or like really far close to the road and it just wouldn't be convenient. And so we also converted a quarter of that, a quarter acre of that space into wildflowers for our bees. So really it's like we have three quarters of an acre and actually we just did the math, like did the math, but we measured it yesterday and we only get like seven hours of sun at our garden, just like for the best place for it to be. So like, yeah, our garden is not ideal. But of course, we mapped it out or we placed it before we knew better. We were just placing it in terms of like aesthetics. Yeah, right. Yeah, this, that's now, part of the process. You know, you got to yeah. you kind of learn as you go. And then not I mean, it's so much information. It's really hard to absorb it all. You know, and I, I found like one of the things I was not prepared for was you know, kind of the 
the burden of the harvest, you know, like you don't, I didn't really know I had to have a plan, you know, cause you're just like, Oh, I'm going to eat tomatoes. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, I have, you know, buckets and buckets of tomatoes. Like we, I can't eat, we can't eat all this, even a family as big as mine. And then you're like, what am I going to do with all these? So I was not, it wasn't so much that I wasn't, I didn't know what to do, but I couldn't, I couldn't learn it. Like I, I just had too much already that I was learning that I couldn't, the, the whole canning thing seemed very intimidating to me because I, I've never canned anything. I had no idea that was even like a thing. People can things like I didn't even know. So that first year I was like, I just was throwing things. I didn't even wash them. Didn't even prep them. I just threw tomatoes in freezer bags and shoved them in the freezer and, um, and like peppers. We had a lot of peppers. I, was, I don't even know what to do with this. And so then I would make like sauce and stuff, which is, again, that's a way to preserve it. It's not bad, oh, yeah. but if you don't have a lot of freezer space, you know, canning, it is kind of, you know, so then like year two, I'm like, okay, I feel like I got the gardening thing. You know, I don't know everything, but I'm like confident enough. I can, it's not so um, overwhelming. I'm going to figure out the canning thing. And then I got a steam canner, which is a game changer. Getting a steam canner is way better than a water bath canner. In my opinion, it's the same thing. Like they're, if you huh. see a recipe to water bath can, you can do it in a steam canner. Um, and I started, you know, I made salsa and we made cowboy candy. My husband's like a freak for really spicy stuff. And so that was like, okay, so now, you know, baby steps. Now I can, I can confidently steam can or water bath can, you know, so it's like, and then now this year is the pressure canner. I've never done that. Well, do you have one? Did you get one? I do. Yeah, okay. I do. I have one. Okay. I've had one for about a year and a half. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I just, I just went out and picked a ton of green beans. And so, you know, for those of you that don't know, some veggies and meats have to be pressure canned and foods that have like high, higher acid, like tomatoes, you can steam can or water bath can. So if I want to preserve my green beans, I need to do it in a pressure canner. So this is the year I'm going to figure out how to do that. And I'm not, you know, people say, you're going to blow up your house. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Oh no. I'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, okay. So you've learned a lot in the past three years. So if somebody was going to start their garden, like say next year, because everybody always wants to start in the spring, what would be your best advice in terms of like making the most out of your space? Yeah. I mean, vertical gardening has been like a game changer for me. Like I use um, a green, it's called a green stock. Yes, um, and you turned me on to those and I love yes. mine. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it takes up such a small footprint. And so if you're like, I don't know how to do this and I don't know what to do and you have it in your budget to purchase one, um, you know, getting some sort of vertical planner like that, you can grow, you can actually grow a lot of food and you're growing up. So, um, because, you know, th with gardening, there's the expense of the soil and there's, there's a lot of things to consider in the beginning. And I definitely can help people figure that out. Like, you know, you know, how many garden, I mean, I have one, a friend of mine who just started gardening this year. And I think she literally like, I think she has like eight beds and she Whoa. went so, I mean, and she's doing really well. Like it's crazy how great it's going, but 
she was like, I'm going all in. And she just went right in. And that's a lot for most people. That's, that's too much, but you know, everybody's different. Like we, Laura and I were just talking about how I'm kind of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl. And I'm like that with pretty much everything. Um, you know, I don't meal plan, can't, I wanna, but I can't, um, things like that. I just kind of wing it. And so if you're like me, um, you know, you might be able to handle like maybe, you know, four beds at once, you know, that first time was kind of a lot. I know a lot of people that start with one, um, and, you know, grow what you love, grow the food that you love to eat and just focus on that. Maybe it's two or three varieties of something that you just, you got your family loves, and then you just focus on that and it's not as overwhelming and you can kind of get your feet wet. Um, but there's some critical things that you do need to understand, Um, and you know, the internet is amazing and YouTube is amazing, but there's so much information there, um, that it can be like, where do I start? And especially if you, you know, if you live in Maine and you watch somebody who lives in Arkansas, you know, it's different. The weather's different there. It's a different zone. Um, so things are different for you. Um, but there, I wrote an ebook, which kind of goes through just sort of the real, the basics so that you can kind of go and start confidently with some of that basic knowledge. Um, so you don't make the same mistakes I made when I started. (laughs) So then with your beds, when you started them, did you, cause I've heard some people say that like invest in your soil, like when you buy it. And like when we bought the soil for our raised beds, I think it was probably like decently nutrient rich, but it was just so compacted. Yeah. So like, how did you approach filling your raised beds or how, how, how would you do it now that you know what you know? Yeah, that's a really good question because, um, I think when I first started, I didn't understand, um, I didn't understand a ton about soil because it's confusing. Like if you go in the store and, you know, the first thing people are thinking is I'm going to go to Home Depot or, you know, Lowe's or Walmart, and I'm going to buy bags of soil and I'm going to fill my bed. And there's garden soil and there's topsoil. I mean, garden soil, wouldn't you think that's what you would buy, right? You would think so. There's garden soil, there's topsoil, there's raised bed soil, there's potting mix, there's seed starting. There's like a bazillion just choices. And you're like, what the heck do I do? Um, And so I, since I had kind of a a lot of beds, I opted to buy, like I called around and I bought soil from like, I guess it's like a landscaping company that sold a mix. And so, you know, you, you know, topsoil has no nutrients in it. So if you buy topsoil, nothing's going to grow because you need, you need some organic matter for your plants to feed off of. And I have no idea that topsoil. Really? Yeah, if you buy topsoil at the at the store, it's it's not it it's not nutri- it has no nutrition in it. Um, so I mean, so I I went ahead and I thought I'm doing I'm doing what I should do. I'm getting a fifty fifty mix, so it's like fifty percent topsoil, which you know is basically garbage, and fifty percent compost, which is like you know all the poop and the dead stuff, which is what your plants need. And so they delivered it, and it's, you know, it was like, oh, this seems really, you know, you know, dark and rich. And, but, um, so I filled all my beds with it and I stuck all my seedlings in it. Cause at that point I wasn't, um, growing from seed in my house. I went out and bought 
you know, plants. It's just not. It's just it's kind it's of expensive. expensive. So, yeah, especially if you have a lot of beds. And they all died because the compost was too hot. Oh. They did not decompose the manure long enough. And then they're just selling it to people and to be someone like me who has no idea. Um, so I had to go and buy amendments and amend the soil in order for it to, it was just so hot. Like the compost was too, it burned the plants. Whoa. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so that was a great lesson to learn because I really learned a lot about amendments. So I had to like go online and sort of learn, like, what do I add to this? So I added like vermiculite and some perlite to like loosen up the soil a little bit. And, um, but you know, it was a lot of work because I had to pull out half of the soil and then amend it and put it back in. And so, you know, that, and again, those kinds of mistakes, they're not only costly money wise, but it can really, you know, kind of discourage you to not want to do it anymore. And so, but it is part of the process. I mean, it doesn't have to be that major of a mistake doesn't have to be part of the process, but, um, but I do like in my ebook, I talk about soil because that's, I didn't, uh, as someone who had no idea about gardening, I literally was like, what do you mean? You dig a hole and you stick a plant in it. You know, what, <laughs> I have to buy soil like in, in garden soil is not for growing vegetables in it because garden soil is really, really dense. So it's not, you're going to have to amend garden soil. That's why the potting mix is usually much more fluffy and it's got, you know, organic matter in there and like wood chips and things so that your plants can feed off of. Um, so, I mean, I think for all my clients, I always recommend, you know, buy the best quality soil you can. So mm -hmm. figure out what your budget is and what you can afford. Um, you know, if you have a 12 inch tall bed, you need eight inches of quality growing medium, four inches. You don't, so you can use sticks and, you know, line it with cardboard and you can get, you know, sticks and logs and different things on the bottom. It's still organic matter and it's going to feed your plants eventually because it'll, it'll decompose, but you don't need 12 full inches of quality growing medium. So it reduces your, you know, reduces your costs a little bit. Um, you know, here in North Carolina and in, in several Southern States, there's a product called soil three that I really like and I've used, um, but it's not cheap. You know, it's organic, it's, it's certified organic. Um, it's so far, it's been like the highest quality I can find. Um, and I'm reluctant to trust local landscapers now. So, because even if you call them and ask them like, where do you get your manure? because that's important now. Like now, you know, mm -hmm. when you learn about like contamination in the different soils and like, you know, you kind of need to know what the source is and they mostly don't know really where they're sourcing it. Um, so soil can be tricky, um, but there's definitely, I mean, regionally, I know there's certain like um, brands of bagged soil that are pretty good quality. Mm -hmm. um, you just have to do a little bit of research. And if you're going to buy from a a landscape, you know, you just, I think if you ask, I, I give like kind of questions to ask too, um, because I think that's helpful. If people kind of know what questions to ask, like after you call three and then you kind of compare the answers you got, you kind of feel like, all right, I'm kind of getting sort of what I need to, you know, know to feel comfortable buying, you know, a, a truckload of soil from these people. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I bought our soil for our raised beds, not this 
past spring, but the one before from a local landscaping company. I had two in mind, and one of them is was my preferred. But there was a wait list for their like compost and garden soil like mixture, and that's what I wanted, but I was impatient. And so I went with a different company. And yeah, the same kind of thing. Like it arrived, it looked dark, it was pretty. But then it turns out, I don't know, it was just really hard and compacted and was like freaking it clay. Because I mean, we have clay too here in Ohio. But like, it was like they dyed clay black is what it yeah. looked like. Felt yeah, that's like. The, And that really, I mean, it bugged me because they should have known that. They should have known that when somebody buys like a ready soil they're expecting to be able to plant in it. Yeah. So, and they know like when it's not, you know, the best quality. And another thing that's really helpful is like wherever you live, go on Facebook and like search out gardening groups in your town or in your state. Um, You know, ideally it would be like kind of local to you. And then you can, you know, kind of go on there and just do a search like, local soil companies or, you know, soil and that, or ask some local people in your area, where do you guys get your soil from? Um, that's a good way to kind of, you know, make it not as overwhelming. So maybe you get a couple suggestions from people who have had good experiences with, um, but it's, you know, in the day now where like so many, there's so many contaminants, um, you know, in, in the organic material that goes into the compost it's good to ask around and, you know, see if you can find somebody who, you know, has a reputable source to their, um, to their compost part of the soil, but just don't get topsoil. Topsoil will, <laughs> nothing will grow in that. <laughs> That's good advice. Um, yeah. So what is your current like garden layout right now? Because honestly, from the pictures that I see, you have more garden space than I do, even though, I live on, cause I mean, my garden is literally, it's 20 by 20. Yeah. And I should I measure it. I, I think it's, uh, it's probably bigger than that. Yeah. It's yeah. we've, we've completely, almost completely taken over the backyard um, with gardens and I switched the whole layout. My poor husband, like, <laughs> Hey honey, we're going to, I want to move this whole thing around. He's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah. So um, like right now. Bed? Yeah. How do you do that? You have to empty it out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You have to take the soil out and um yeah. So he he's he he gets as excited like as I he wasn't like totally he's the one who came up with my name because I was Aww. like, you know, I feel like I have a lot to talk about and I can teach people stuff and you know, and I know there's people like me who, you know, don't have a a history and and don't know how to do this, but that they want to be more self-sufficient. And I can, and I'm like, I, I should come up with like a name. He's like, well, you're like the unexpected gardener. So, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's perfect. You know, but he's been, he gets more every year. He gets more and more excited because you see the fruit of your labor. Um, but right now I think I have like, I have like 11 wow. raised beds in a pretty small area. I crammed them in there. Wow. Um, I got rid of the in-ground beds, um, pain in the oh, neck. Totally. Yep. I, t- I just weed cloth them over and I put raised beds on top. The weeding was so overwhelming, even just in two beds. It was because here in North Carolina, I mean, it is so hot. And, you know, once like mid, late June, 
June, July, and August, it is like good luck getting out mm-hmm. there and getting weeding. I mean, cause it's like a jungle and you, I go out there and I'm like, all right, I'm going in, come get me in an hour. If I'm not, if you can't find me, cause it's, it gets out of control. <laughs> like, quick. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like, so the weeding was so bad that I'm like, I'm done with in-ground beds. So we just, this is the first year we just, we'd clothed it over and put beds on top and so far so good. I mean, it's, there's still weeding, but it's minimal. It's like nothing um, compared. So I'm a very, a big fan of raised beds, but if you have good soil, then by all means, um, you know, you can totally use the soil and not have to buy a bunch of soil, but it just didn't work for me. Okay. So was your husband a city boy too? No, he, he is uh, born and raised in South Carolina. So he's a country, you know, he's a Southern, Southern boy. Uh um, But he loved um, New England so much that he like, he like, is like, I'm a New Englander. He's a Patriots fan now. Yeah, we (laughs) totally got him over there. Um, But he, I think his grandma might have, like, I know she like had chickens and you know, would go out back and butcher a chicken for dinner and stuff like that. But he doesn't have like a, like a history of, of like growing food. And, um, but it has definitely come like it's come, it's almost like he's a natural. And I always joke because I, so because I had hot soil, like manure, you know, that burned all my plants, I fell in love with worm castings, which is basically worm poop. And cause it doesn't burn. So you can add worm poop right in to amend your beds and you can put it around your plants. You can plant your plants in it and it, it doesn't burn. And so I got a worm farm last um, fall. And so it's like the big joke. Cause my husband's the worm farmer. <laughs> he's, to- he's totally like, and he's, and he was kind of like begrudgingly like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm going to be, and I'm like, no, we gotta, we gotta get a worm farm because Worm castings cost a lot of money. And if we get a worm farm, it's going to make it, uh, we're going to make the money back in one season because then you can just go into the garage and, well, and then you could sell them. Food. What'd you say? You could sell them too. I, I know. I did say that. I'm like, we could ramp it up. Yeah. And then like make it a business, you know? And so he was kind of like sort of reluctant and, you know, rolling his eyes, which he does that a lot. I think when I come up with some sort of idea, initially he's just like, seriously? But he just always supports and always does his thing. And so now when we have like, you know, some veggie scraps that we're going to go feed the worms, he's in there like chopping it up into tiny pieces. He's like, the worms like it better. And they, you know, and they, and they, and they, they eat it a lot quicker when it's small. I'm like, you're a dork and I love it. So he's on board like hundred percent now, but yeah, he's like totally stepped into the worm farmer. So we're like, homesteaders in an HOA suburban neighborhood. And we're also worm farmers too. Never would have thought that would (laughs) happen. That's for sure. Um, So what about your kids? Because you have, you know, older kids too. And so like, they've seen your transition too. Did they think that you were crazy when you wanted to start gardening? Yes. Yes. And my oldest is 26 and I'm pretty sure she still thinks I'm crazy. And, and I talk about, I talk about like, did you see that I'm growing corn? And she's like, mm, okay. Like she still is just not super one over. Um, and, but my littlest ones, my teenager, he like, he likes to eat, he likes to eat the stuff that I grow. 
and the bread that I make and all that. So he's he's on board with like all of the eating that gets to happen. Um, his boys but, are. <laughs> yes, yes. However, he doesn't. He's always like the the like he's the resident like soil mover, and so he's not. He doesn't love that. When I'm like, guess what? I'm getting you know some more soil three uh, tomorrow, and I'm going to need you to move it. And he's like, mom. Please don't make me move soil. So he doesn't love that part. But my two littlest ones, especially my daughter, she's in a lot of like my social media stuff. Um, you know, she's in a lot of like going out in the garden, harvesting with me or watering or planting. Um, we started making water kefir again. And so she is all about that. And so she's eight. And I think she's going to be the one who's going to carry on the unexpected gardener legacy. Okay. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So another thing that you are into is local food like yes. outside of the stuff that you can produce yourself. So how yes. like, when did you start getting into that? And what was the well, drive? Yeah. I mean, I think when I was pregnant with my oldest, so I was in my twenties then I was like 24, I think when she was born. Um, I, when I got pregnant with her, I was kind of like, Oh, I really need to you know, learn more about nutrition because that was definitely not something anyone ever taught me or talked about when I was younger. So I definitely um, started making this gradual shift to being more conscious about ingredients and still buying processed food, but, but being more um, mindful about what was in them. And so that kind of trend, you know, that kind of, I grew, you know, with child two and child three and child four. And it's like the, the more kids I had, the older I got, I really started, you know, I was buying raw milk, you know, which I lived in Florida at the time. My, I think my oldest was probably maybe like 10 or 11 and it's illegal to, um, to buy it in Florida. So it was like, you know, you, you buy it in this like shifty way. And then you like all these minivans would show up at someone's house. All these homeschooling moms would show up at someone's house and there would be these, you know, 50 gallons of milk lining somebody's driveway and you just, you know, pay a farmer and grab your milk. You know, it was like all like under, undercover. And so like, I was that mom, you know, when my oldest was littler um, and then just milling my own weed and growing. So I, it's, it's kind of been this gradual process, but I didn't really understand how broken the food system was then. Um, and now that I, you know, that I've started this journey in 2020, I am so aggravated and angry about the garbage that we are sold as food, especially for kids loaded with artificial colors. And the, the, I mean, it's garbage. And so many kids are eating toxic food that later in life, they're going to pay a price for. And so as adults, we really need to be mindful about what we're putting in our own bodies clearly, but obviously what we're feeding the future generation, it's really angers me. So that really started me um, that in addition to the not being able to find what, you know, what's in the grocery store and like, how do, how do I trust what the label is? You know, what are they, how are they raising these cows? You know, like I don't want to buy beef, you know, when cows are mistreated and they can't graze on grass. And so I started really pushing towards uh, finding local sources for the majority of um, the meat and the dairy and the eggs that I buy. I can't have chickens and my, my HOA doesn't allow me to. Um, so I have to buy eggs too. And 
that sort of, so that and my laziness has uh, like come up with this unbelievably cool thing where I found like local farm, like I found a really great grass fed beef supplier, but she's about an hour from me. And I don't want to drive an hour. I just don't. So, you know, like, so I'm kind of like that lazy part of me was like, well, so I kind of pitched it to her. If I get like five or six families that want to buy from you, um, would you consider coming to my town once a month and just delivering people's orders? She's like, I would love to do that. That's amazing. That would be great. So um, about a year, a little over a year ago, I actually started in my neighborhood and then just some like-minded folks that I knew, you know, around here, would you guys be interested in, you know, supporting local? It's grass-fed, grass-finished beef. It's the best quality you're going to get anywhere. You can, you're not going to be able to go into a store and buy better quality food like you can buy from Heather. And I know her, her name's Heather. She, you know, it's like you have this relationship with the person who's producing your food. It's, to me, it's like one of the most exciting things that I've done. Um, so that has morphed into now we have a chicken lady and mm-hmm. eggs. And now we have pork, pastured pork. And the chicken and the pork are within 30 minutes of where I live. Okay. So t- that's very exciting to me that no matter what happens with the food system, because it's broken, y'all, go- Google it. Start <laughs> looking into it and you're going to be like, your head's going to explode. But we're not helpless and you can do the same thing I'm doing in your local community. So now like I just created like an email list and there's 65 people on the email list. Wow. In just a year and like a year, year and like almost a year and a half. So once a month I send out and like, you know, they might have specials, certain cuts are on sale or, you know, whatever. And I send out an email once a month to everybody like, here's all the specials. They pay their farmer directly. So they get to know their farmer And then I just coordinate the drop. So once a month, you can go to a local like spot and all the farmers come and they bring your orders to you. Wow. So it's, yeah. So it's like super convenient for everyone. And, um, you know, are you going to pay more for ground beef? Yes, you are. My food budget is pretty big. It's probably bigger than the average family. And that's how it should be. Because food is what makes you. 100%. I think it's worth it. And I think Americans, you know, we have to make a shift in our brain because I've heard that from people like, well, you know, her ground beef is, I don't even know what it is, 850 a pound. And that's like, and I'm like, yeah, it's worth it. You know, and it, the difference is literally like, you can't even believe the difference. Her beef compared to a ground beef you can buy in the store from God only knows what kind of conditions that food was made, you know, and you don't want that. You don't want, trust me, you don't want that, you know? And so it has been, I think it's, so that's kind of my, my self-sustaining learning how to grow food thing has also encompassed self-sustaining buy local, what you can't grow and get to know your farmer because it's, it's important. It's important that, um, you know, if, if things go South and there's been some scary things in the last couple of years, with our food supply, you know, fires and, you know, cows dying and avian flu or whatever, like, yeah. Right. You know, like, and I don't, you know, you, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to be like, huh, that's kind of interesting. It affects our food supply so much. And the war in Ukraine affects the fertilizer prices. So, 
synthetic fertilizers go through the roof. And, you know, I, you know, those kinds of things, they will affect you. But if you are locally sourcing all of your, you know, I can't do all of it. I don't do all of my food locally sourced, but all my meat is a hundred percent locally sourced at this point. Um, and my milk and my eggs. So I don't need the grocery store. I could, I could literally survive without the grocery store. I buy from Azure standard once a month. Um, Tell me about Azure Standard, because I've heard lots of people talk about it, and I haven't really looked into it much. I'm yeah, assuming it's here in Ohio. I, I'm assuming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all over the country. It's a really neat, um, it's a neat concept. And kind of what I felt like I needed to do was I really needed to figure out a way to um, source food, healthy, nutritious, organic food um, outside of the grocery stores. Okay. Because if you remember... A couple of years ago, there were some people that weren't even allowed to enter into restaurants and stores, right? And I was one of those people, right? They're going to tell me I can't come in. So, well, okay. So I, you know, if I'm smart, I'm going to figure out like, how do I source really healthy food um, other other ways? So Azure Standard is, um, they, they deliver the semi, you know, so you place an order, it's, it's monthly, and it's all over the country. So you'll find like a drop that's kind of close to you. Um, and I can give you a link if you want to put it in your show notes so people yeah, can click oh, on definitely. and look at it. Um, the thing I love about it. So I buy like a 50 pound bag of unbleached organic flour, white flour from them, you know, pounds. and 50 pounds. And it's a great, Whoa. it's a good price for 50 pounds. I think um, it's good quality. It's organic. It's unbleached. And then I just have like a food grade, um, you know, five gallon, you know, and again, I'm feeding a lot more people than you are. So you yeah. might not need that much, but you don't have, you can buy 10 pounds instead. Um, but there's organic produce. Um, there's a lot of like, if you're gluten-free, for example, there's gluten-free pasta. There's, there's a whole lot. You can buy supplements, you can buy, um, you know, dry, like I buy like this really good quality fair trade chocolate chip. It's like a dark oh. chocolate chip. Right. And it's fair trade because chocolate is Google it. Chocolate, you shouldn't buy from American chocolate companies. It's, you know, the child labor, it's, it's very sketchy. Um, So, you know, you want to try to buy fair trade if you can. So there's like, there's a lot of products that you can buy from them. The other thing I love about what they just, they just came out with a statement. Um, If you, are you familiar with appeal, the the new um, they're spraying it on, food uh, produce to make it last longer oh okay have you heard about that it's it's up here like a p e e l and so it's this additive or this substance they're going to spray on produce which makes it last longer like but the that's also stuff that's on apples kind of kind of however <laughs> this does not wash off huh. okay and and it's on organic products too organic produce too uh-huh. so you may be fine with it. And if you are fine with it, that's totally fine. Um, they're not disclosing exactly what's in it. And so for me, I'm not so trustworthy. I don't really want to eat anything unless I know exactly what it is and you can't rub, you know, you can't wash it off. So uh, Azure standard has come out with a statement saying we will not, none of our produce will be treated with this appeal. Hmm. application. So that means a lot to me. You know, I don't, I, 
I want to know what we're eating. And I go through a lot of effort, you know, clearly if you're growing food or you're locally sourcing food and you're spending a lot of time reading labels and it's important to you, um, you know, you may not want to eat this substance if you don't really know what it is. And they're not, it's say, they're saying it's plant-based, but I don't, they're not disclosing the full ingredient label. So I'm, I'm not okay with eating it and I'm not okay with giving it to my kids. Um, so Azure Standard has said, you know, they are not, not none of their produce, whether it's organic or conventional is going to be treated with this appeal, which I thought that was really good. Um, but it's worth looking into. Um, I do find some of the prices aren't like I can get some things at Costco at a better price. Um, yeah. But, but the thing I love about it is it's, it's outside of our, our food supply. Right. And it's an, it's a great option. It's an option for people, um, especially if you're rural, you know, really rural, you know, yeah. maybe once a month, you'll have to drive an hour. I know, you know, I've seen people on YouTube, they have to drive an hour and a half to pick up their order. But I know some people around here, they literally do a month's worth of shopping once they buy with Azure Standard and that's it. Um, I know I can't do that. Cause I'm remember what I said earlier, I was the yeah. fly by my seat of my pants kind of girl. I don't know if I could do that, but I did on my blog. I did, I did do some blogs about like prep, like not crazy prepping, but like being prepared and having like a really stocked pantry so that you can make some of your favorite foods that you normally make, like recipes you normally make for a couple of months, like having like a back stock. So I've been working on that personally, just kind of common sense purchases so that I have a backstock of things that we like maple syrup, for example, like we use a lot of maple syrup to sweeten things. And so I always want to make sure I have enough of that. But yeah, I strongly recommend looking into it. So where do they get their produce from? I'm guessing that's local, right? It is local to them, but they also they grow a lot of it too. Oh, oh, it's a pretty big operation. Oh. It's a pretty big operation. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, actually. Huh. Um, they actually had a lot of seedlings. I didn't buy any. A friend of mine did, but they even have like seedlings in the spring. You know, um, there are some frustrations with them because sometimes things sell out. Um, okay. And so you, there's a little bit of a learning curve with ordering, you know, like I like, for example, I order a five pound block of mozzarella, organic mozzarella cheese from them. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Right. Cheese is a really hard thing to find. Yes. They have have a five pound block of raw cheddar cheese that is like so delicious. And so for us, like I might make pizza dough once a week. We have pizza night or whatever. So, and I don't buy their shredded cheese because it's expensive and it has like the weird additive anti-caking things in there. Um, So I grate it myself. So I have, I started buying five pound blocks of, mozzarella and raw cheddar and then you can cut them into one pound you know chunks and then you know we slice them and put them on sandwiches or make cheesy toast with sourdough or grate them into frittatas and then with the mozzarella cheese we put it on our pizza and it's like delicious so there's a lot of cool options that you know you can just buy it and freeze the extra a lot of people buy butter you know they'll buy like a case of butter which I I don't do that but I know a friend of mine, they have this like really amazing butter. She'll buy a case of it and put some in the freezer. And so it's, it is a good option. I think, especially if people are trying to figure out how to break out of this wackadoo food supply, cause it's just, you know, it's Man, broken. 
I'm definitely going to have to look into it because like our meat, we're pretty, pretty much local, totally, except for like I was telling you earlier, like seafood, but yeah. um, dairy, we don't drink much dairy, but like cheese, I love cheese. Me too. And yeah, I need it for pizza night, but like I, I don't know where to get local cheese. And there is like, there's an app that I've used before. It's called Farmish. And like it puts you in contact with local individual people. But, you know, if there's no one near you that's selling, you know, my pastured beautiful mozzarella, then yes. I, you know, sorry <laughs> for yeah. me. So. Yeah. And it's good to have an option. And I know a lot, like when I lived in Massachusetts, raw milk was actually legal in Massachusetts. And oh. so my 17 year old went from like mom's milk to raw milk. And there's a farm in Foxborough and she has raw milk, but she also makes cheese. So that's, um, and they have beef. So that was such a great option because you could go in her barn and, you know, pick up your milk order and then you could buy different kinds of cheese that she, you know, they made locally. So there's definitely, I mean, there's a lot more of those options, I think, than people realize. Um, but it does take a little bit of work to kind of connect um, and then if you're like me, like there wasn't a delivery, there wasn't like a local delivery. I just started one because, you know, I didn't want to drive. And so you could do that too. You could start one in your area. Um, and then, you know, the word just gets out. And then before you know it, and then you're helping these farmers, which again is like so important, you know, that they are treating their animals with dignity. Um, most of them are using regenerative farming um, techniques. Um, you know, they grow food too. They grow veggies, you know, and you want to support those people because, you know, the government doesn't subsidize small farmers. They subsidize, no. you know, huge farmers that grow one crop, which is probably GMO and has garbage on it. And you don't want it anyway. Yep. Um, so that's something we can all do. And even if you have a limited budget, like we don't, we don't have a, we have a minimum, like there's no minimum order for participating in our monthly meat drop. Like, Oh, okay. You, yeah. I mean, I order a lot. I order enough for the whole month for my whole family, but you can order five pounds of ground beef or a couple dozen eggs and, you know, or like the ground pork is so delicious, you know, ha these happy pigs just 30 minutes for me. So we don't have a minimum order. So you don't have to order a ton. Of, I think that's another thing people think like, oh, if I buy from my local farmer, I have to buy a half a cow or a quarter cow. And I don't have a huge freezer. I can't put, you know, 200 pounds of, you know, beef in my freezer. Um, I, you know, I organized it. So there's no minimum order. We just ask people to be consistent order okay. something, okay. you know, and, you know, honestly, some people don't, but that's okay. Like it's still, it's growing. And, you know, and these women are putting a lot of effort into, you know, cultivating a really wonderful, sustainable food source for the community. And so I'm pretty pumped that, you know, I can support that. Yeah, because I mean, you're not like you're not nurturing it in your own garden, but you are nurturing the local community. You know, yeah. so, I mean, it is still the same exact sentiment. A hundred percent. That's such a good, yeah, that's such a good way to put it. You're right. I mean, and I feel like, you know, a lot of times, you know, if 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 you look at what's happening in our food supply and it can be really disheartening, you know, and especially if you're on a limited budget, you know, if you don't have 
you know, you kind of view like buying organic food or fresh food as unattainable, which is really sad to me. I, I hate that. And I know that there's, you know, food deserts out there and there are people that don't have access to that. And I, I really think that if the people who do have access to it, nurture it and cultivate relationships with local growers, they're going to be able to grow and they're going to be able to offer more food and extend that to more people. But if we are not willing to make the effort to support local, um, then, you know, and again, there's nothing wrong with shopping at Walmart. So I'm not demonizing Walmart produce. Like you do what you got to do. Like I don't come at a place of judgment. I come at a place of empowering you to do to do something different. But if you can't, that's totally fine. There's no guilt. People should only feel guilty when they do something wrong. So there's no guilty here. But if you, if you can support a local urban farm instead of Walmart, then you're really making changes. And those small changes, if many, many, many of us do that, that's just going to steamroll into a big change. And the big food system is going to have to listen Like if nobody buys the garbage fruit that has a peel on it, they're going to stop doing that. And they're going to start being more honest about what they're putting on their products or putting in their products. Like natural flavors are, it's not natural. It's made in a lab and you have no idea what's in it. And you start looking at the labels of the things that you buy, carbonated water, for example, (laughs) natural flavors. Nobody knows what that is. It's a Franken food. I have no idea what it is. They don't disclose it because they're not required to. Well, if we all stop buying things with natural flavor, we're like, we're not going to eat that because we don't know what it is. They're going to stop. They're going to stop doing it. And so that's kind of where I feel like it just starts in your community. Um, And then in the age of social media, you know, we're kind of like, you know, you and I are connected and are actually friends and we've never even met each other. (laughs) And social media is so cool for that. And I love that part of it. But you also need to engage in your own community and meet the people that do the things, you know, meet the people that grow stuff and fix stuff and build stuff. Right. Because those are the people who got your back, you know, when you need them, you've got this community of people. And so I think um, we're all very empowered to do these small little things. And, you know, and again, no judgment, because I know some people it's just not it's not an option. You know, and I get that. I totally do. But if you need help figuring out which can do, send me a, a DM on Instagram and I will help you figure it out. Yay. Yeah, you're always so welcoming when I when I reach out about sourdough or something like that. <laughs> stretch and fold, Laura. You got to do the stretch and folds. Come on. Well, I think that was a fantastic conversation. We got a little spicy there at the end, too. That's good. <laughs> No, it's, it's good. Yeah, not too spicy. I mean, I'm a little spicy, but I'm also I'm just passionate. That's all. I mean, it's all the things that like, we all know deep down. But we can't say. (laughs) You can't say. say. You can say. There's a a lot of us out there. And, 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 and again, is no, there's no judgment because you know, I've been a single mom. I, I've been on a budget where I couldn't I couldn't buy what I wanted to buy. So it's not like I don't know what that feels like. Um, it's, it's, if, you know, it's frustrating and it's disheartening, but you know, we are, we, we all, you know, we Americans are very blessed in general to have a lot of things at our disposal 
And it just takes a little, little baby steps to, to just being a little bit more self-sufficient. And then the next year you just add a little bit of, you know, more. And then the following year you add a little bit more. And before you know it, you know, you're the unexpected gardener. (laughs) Well, that is a perfect summary. So I'm going to put all of the links in the show notes so people can get a hold of you. And then, yes, we're going to put a link to Azure Standard because I am probably going to look into it after we get off. So awesome. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Sabrina. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. Thanks for listening to the Girly Homesteader podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to share more in my journey, follow me on Instagram at the Girly Homesteader.